Allow myself to introduce myself. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Nephew got power! Let's see if you bastards can do 90. You're listening to Philosophize. Great Scott. The weekly show coming to you from deep in the mountains of Colorado. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with flies. So listen up, because we're going to make you laugh, we're going to make you learn, and we're going to make you cry. Here's your host. There's only one man who can help me. Kyle Quayle. Say hi to your mom for me. Welcome all animals, humans, and aliens to episode two of the podcast form of Philosophize. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Max Marshausen. He's got a minor in philosophy, and I'm Kyle Quayle, and I've got a minor in laying down the pipe. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, welcome to all the aliens, animals, and humans, but we're kind of all three, if you think about it, aren't we? I would say so. We're yeah. aliens to Mars. Yep. I don't know if you saw that Perseverance rover actually just landed on Mars. It's really cool. So you can Google... YouTube search that the moment it lands, everyone celebrates. It's pretty cool. It it's actually going there to collect geological samples and search for any signs of like ancient life and all that. So that's really exciting. That's cool. I don't know if I ever brought this up to you. I haven't done it in a while, but you can actually look live on Mars. Did you know that? I didn't know. Mars.nasa.gov. And does it tap into Perseverance or uh, a different It pop? taps into, I think it was Curiosity, the previous oh, Curiosity, one. Yep. And you can literally explore it. Um, can you like drive curiosity <laughs> slightly you can at least move the camera around that's cool. and it's fascinating now really it cool. gets a little boring after a while because <laughs> it's just kind of the same stuff there's not much going on i don't know if you've heard on mars uh, there's not much going on up there yet <laughs> i don't know it's just pretty amazing Didn't that they we... film that movie martian up there though oh yeah the martian yeah, yeah. matt damon yeah, they, <laughs> i don't know how they got back so quick as well Pretty amazing that we even have the option, though, as human beings to look on Mars, literally. Uh, it's for basically free, if you think about it. Most of us still choose to watch an episode of Friends before they go to bed. <laughs> even if they've seen it like 3,000 times. They're, humans are funny, funny beings, man, aren't they? They are. It looks like zion national park yes and that's really the closest we can get to feeling like we are on mars probably mm -hmm. you i'm sure you remember when jamie's car broke down in red cliffs yeah it, that uh, was it, cool. it literally felt like we broke down on mars I at know. one point because there's no cell service <laughs> uh, not a lot of people are around because no. of the pandemic and the crazy red dirt surrounding like absurd natural structures utah is so fucking beautiful most people don't know that it's a weird place <laughs> it is weird <laughs> but it's beautiful just like but the that, show it was so cool the hike that we went on like it, you could have just stepped out the back of your campsite and you were transported immediately yeah it's i recommend everybody sees utah i don't like, growing up i didn't I had no idea until i started making yeah. the trek from san diego to colorado constantly near uh, in canyonlands actually there's a hike called needles and jamie and i did that Oof, i think it was like 2018 and that we both were like holy shit where are you and like, yeah those, those moments when it gets real quiet and nothing all oh, you can hear exactly. is the wind then it's, then it's like really transporting you're <laughs> yeah like, holy shit can i can i breathe here am yeah, i all right so cool you're right about that quiet i remember hearing that yeah. quiet if that's the right way to say it <laughs> also like i mentioned we're animals 
Um, <laughs> I don't think I believe in going vegan for health benefits mm. like a lot of people do. But the way that animals are treated before they get to your dinner plate uh, has had me contemplate yeah. from time to time trying to go vegan. I'm simply not strong enough to say no to a beautifully <laughs> delicious smoked rack of ribs Ooh, once in a while. Yeah. I try to limit red meat consumption mm -hmm. and you can't prove to me that fish have souls. So I'll <laughs> eat any kind of fish. I feel like birds too. I, I'm not even sure if they're real. So I don't really have a problem <laughs> eating chicken or turkey. I've actually had quail a few times. Hey, it's fucking delicious. It's I'm cannibalism. Not I'm not sure if it's cannibalism <laughs> or incest or something, but I don't care. It's banging. Um, have you ever pondered the philosophy behind the consumption of animals? I, you know, to your point of the way they're treated before they're put onto our plate, I have contemplated that before. Right. I do think there's a big difference between, and there there is. If you, I've watched chef tables before, um, and the guys who, it, this guy, I think he was in Italy. He raised all his own stock and the way he treated them was so much different. And there's oh a direct God. correlation to the flavor and the consistency I totally of the, buy that. and the value of the meat compared to, I think, what we get at our local grocery store. Right. And that's the ideal thing. That's what I want. Yeah. I want to own a farm with chickens yeah. and pigs and things like that. And I want to stick with pigs. They're, they're hyper intelligent pigs are. Yeah. Pigs I've are really seen smart. some fucked up videos that just, yeah. I feel like a weak man. I've given up pork, I think, you know, at several like existential moments of my life, <laughs> but usually something happens to me in life and I got yeah. to say fucking I, <laughs> I can't say no to bacon, bacon that's the one thing just, it's ugh. so fucking good it if is. we're not supposed to eat it then why does it taste like that <laughs> I put it on everything right. sandwiches burgers I mixed it with popcorn once Whoa, delicious I like I that I had a bacon milkshake once that was oh phenomenal. I've had that I've chocolate, chocolate bacon yeah. it's, it's fuck should I just make some right now actually let's, let's do just, it we'll probably get through this podcast a little better um, <laughs> no but it is weird <laughs> eating something that is smarter than a dog yeah I guess if it's think too much about it it's these things about being a human and knowing the atrocities in the world you have to separate yourself at times from them right yeah and it's like this is the one that's because you can't in a perfect world we all have our own farm but it's impossible so you can try to i guess go to grocery stores that are more ethically sourced I yeah mean, how can you trust anything it's difficult to say i don't know it's almost I, like i a, always say buy local one thing jamie and i have been doing particularly in like the warmer months is we'll go to the local farms in boulder yes. and buy meat that way that's the way to and do i it. notice i mean i think anybody would notice just the difference in quality that you get when you buy farm-raised compared to something that's pre-packaged it makes so much sense or just you know the, you know, like you said i loved how you brought up the way that they're treated it's just their soul they, they have souls yeah, they, they have they personalities do. they do so that makes sense to me and and i think i do believe their purpose is to have a life but also i think we are supposed to eat, eat yeah yeah but but it's supposed to be treated the right way mm -hmm. and if you look at how we've far we've come from the way that we used to treat it from like hunter-gatherer standpoint if you look at the native americans they used every part of the animal yeah and we're really not doing that anymore no, and I, that's to me that's the waste right there just mass producing them again you're mass producing it all comes down to and this we're, we're in that habit of taking more than we need and not just using exactly what we need like they would slaughter an animal and that would last them months and months right. because and, they would use only what they needed and probably respect the and animal respect too the which animal. I think is the most important thing they had thing. a whole ritual around before they would harvest the meat and skin I, the animal that's they, the way you know, they, they, they celebrate that life and they thank that life for what it's providing for them and that's the way I feel like we've really yeah I mean when you lose connection to the actual animal and you're just buying the prepackaged meat it's hard to be able to practice that this just came up for me I think what I'm going to start doing is even before I eat 
a turkey sub mm-hmm. that has processed, just thank the animal. Yeah. I think I'm going to consciously start to do that from yeah. now on instead of, it's like, I just can't, I can't go without. Yeah. It's a good practice. And one me. thing I've been really working on myself is just receiving, like even the taste of my food colors, yes. just really letting myself Mindful take eating. it in. Um, so now when I get a plate of food, I'll just like, before I dive right in, I'll like sit and look at it and receive it and be like, Mm, this looks like a That's this looks like a nourishing good meal and such like, be grateful awesome. and just practice that like, slowing down and because I think we're so quick you know as we're going oh, to lunch always, hour, like yeah. let me slam this down my gullet so I can get, get back, back to work, work. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny man but it's it's true it's being mindful of these things it's so easy to get wrapped up in day to day life and not think about this yeah being mindful is probably it can open up your perspective dude I did it last night just allowed myself to receive Jamie made molten chocolate lava cake for us on Valentine's oh, Day she said that and I had a leftover one and last night. I realized I caught myself. I was just fucking chowing yeah, down like, on this thing. More, right? more, more. I had two bites left and I was like, I'm going to let myself like really receive these next two bites. And it was crazy how much more I noticed in the flavor of the cake mm. when I closed my eyes and just Hell focused yeah. on the sensation that was it. Yeah. My mouth feels. Both you and Jamie really know your way around the kitchen. I very I much like cook, in yeah. around the grill too. Yeah. Hopefully this Sunday we'll get back to us. Yeah. Well, dinner. we're going to, we're going to get something. Going. I'm baking a loaf of sourdough bread for us. Oh so, yeah. yeah. That's what's up. No yeah. uh, pigs are harmed in that. No, <laughs> no pigs were. And I uh, got the starter. It's all scratch made. It's just, it's good stuff. And that, I think that, that's that's what I'm trying to get more into with my own let's call it food philosophy if you will is really like starting from the very base and then working your way through and I noticed just how much more of an appreciation I have for my meals afterwards yeah, that yeah that's something I'd like to work on as well it's really yeah. cool a football coach and known sociopathic oddball Jim Harbaugh I'm not sure <laughs> he's said that he doesn't like his football players eating chicken because really? it's a nervous bird Ah. He's he's an oddball, so I, never, <laughs> okay. I find that interesting. I so know is, is his worry there that his players will become nervous? I think so. And yeah. then he's also been photographed eating like steak with milk out. <laughs> like, this is that kind <laughs> wait, of wait, guy, wait, like drinking milk, drinking while milk while eating a steak, just the whole wow. guy. Wow. So I don't know. Chickens are descendants of dinosaurs, so I don't know. Is there could they be that nervous? Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite meat? Would you say? You could oh, only damn. think someone comes to you today and says, Max, you can only have one type of meat for the rest of your for own the life. Rest I'm of my sorry life. that this we had to do this to you. Sorry we had to do this. You know what I've really recently been loving is delicious cut of a ribeye. Yeah. I've been really and I've really been cooking steak them is really differently. Special. One of my favorite ways to cook it that I've done is over a campfire. I just mm. started a campfire, let it go down to hot embers and coal, yeah. and I literally I'll season the meat and I just throw the meat right I on top had of the some coal. Some kind of meat you it's cooked so like that good. in Utah. I don't know if it was steak. It oh, was it was it? There I? was something. Yeah, you made something. It might have even been salmon or something. I don't remember. I forget exactly what it was, but something I remember it being similar, delicious yeah. as well. So I guess we separate the connection between humans and animals because we are conscious, right? And we don't think that they are. Um, as far as we can tell, a spider doesn't know it's a spider, you know? Right, right. I think, does that, does that make sense to you? Like I said, pigs are so intelligent and like the punishment for cruelty to animals is not even close to as severe as the punishment for cruelty to humans. Yeah. And that doesn't really connect super well to me. Yeah. You could argue humans are the worst of the animals, destroying <laughs> the planet without remorse, oh, killing other animals for sport, watching friends every night. We're, <laughs> we're awful as a whole, really. That's what it is. And, and so oh, it's, I, I have this connection. Again, it's easy to forget, but this connection respect of animals is something that we need to that should come with the societal change as well yeah i agree all right well if you know me you know i am a lover of animals and also supremely interested in facts about them so after our first commercial break we'll be back with our most popular segment from our old show that directly relates to this all right don't go away 
Tired of not succumbing to society's pressures to fit in? Have you been brainwashed into thinking that your physical appearance is more important than your mind and heart and soul? Don't think that becoming a kinder, more active and healthy person will lead to day-to-day -day satisfaction and raise your confidence levels naturally? Well, worry no more. Here at Starship Surgery, we do every procedure imaginable. Breast augmentation, facelifts, liposuction, tummy tuck, nose jobs, butt implants, testicular augmentation. You name it, we'll fix it. Even if the word fix implies that there's something wrong with you, we both know that you're absolutely perfect just the way you are. And as of March 2021, even phallus enhancement will be available. Length or girth. Do you want to fuck your face up beyond repair instead of dealing with the traumas of your own childhood? Starship is here for you. Running out of time to find a rich, soulless man to marry so he can give you a life devoid of any type of honest actual fulfillment? Starship's got your back. Hell, you want to go cockless like your dear old Uncle Fred? Fuck it, it's not our body. At Starship Surgeries, our number one goal is to basically rob you of money that you could use to really better the world and make you think that your life will improve once you change your body. Go online to starshipsurgeries.net and set up an appointment today. We built these titties. We built these titties and these cocks and boys built these titties. We built these titties and these cocks and boys. Necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no peasant craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Learn things you never knew, you never knew. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Or ask the grinning bobcat why he grinned? Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? All right, Jungle Boogie, baby. Fans of this show will recognize this. It's back with a vengeance. And <laughs> for our new listeners, Jungle Boogie is where Max and I go over some cool animal facts. And since we mentioned the intelligence of animals this particular time, all the facts will be about the 10 smartest animals mm. by my ranking, not in mm. any particular order. And this is a long one, but I'm really into it. So I, I hope the it. listener is out there too. Okay, number one. The good old champin uh, ch chimpanzee. <laughs> the good old chimpanzee. <laughs> Very similar to humans, but did you know that they have a better visual memory on average than human beings? Really? We share, you might know this, between 95 and 98% of DNA with them, mm -hmm. which is always crazy to me. Yeah. The visual memory is probably useful during like sign language. That's probably how we teach them sign, which yeah. is crazy. I don't know if all of them can learn that. Maybe just a select few. I'll have to oh, fact yeah. check that. Also, this is going to come up in most of the animals. We directly relate intelligence to tool use. 
Oh. And they use more tools than any other animal than mm-hmm. Homo sapiens, obviously. Yeah. They are only wild in Africa. So if you see a chimp strolling down Colfax, that's Steve. He's not a wild. <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a good dude. He's not wild. Give him a smoke He's, and let him keep domesticated. going. He's <laughs> domesticated, yeah. Okay, next fact. Ready? Number two. Number two. Okay. This is my favorite animal and coincidentally my favorite football team the dolphin hey, ah! yeah i figured they had to be up there man They're dolphins crazy. are so cool and so yeah. smart and so horny and that is why <laughs> that's why they're my spirit animal no that they're really actually not my spirit animal i've always wanted it to be i figured out recently i'm a coyote Hey. I'm sure of it. The symbolic meaning, I looked behind it, it's a jokester, the trickster, playfulness, yeah, adaptability, yeah. seeking the truth behind things, mm. complex and cunning, wisdom, cleverness, um, just really modest about all of this. <laughs> it, it often represents two sides of the same coin, like yeah. a Gemini, I don't know. Coyotes are a troublesome creature, but a good fortune sign. Max, you've known me for three or so years by now. Do you think that's I think a that's little spot on? on. Okay, yeah. good. So I'm not just tooting my own horn. <laughs> no. There's a pack of wild coyotes that live right outside my dad's place. Yeah, heard I've heard them. And they go fucking nuts that's on a bunch cool. of nights. And the primal feeling I get, especially for the first time when hearing them yap, the primal feeling I would get in my body and soul when hearing that is undeniable. I wanted to just jump out my window naked and run with them until they <laughs> accept wolves, me. You know, do, yeah. do you have a spirit animal, Max? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, uh, I actually had a crazy dream my first week in Colorado where I was snowboarding on a mountain and I fell. And when I fell, this mountain lion started to walk out towards mm. me. And he spoke to me and he said, they're coming. Follow me. Let's go. So I followed this mountain lion through this like crazy snow path on the ski slope somewhere. Uh, Assumingly, it was in Colorado in my dream. It was weird. As we were going away, I was noticing different family members of mine were hiding behind trees. But I was following this guy. And we got to this one point where it was just a circle of snow surrounded by trees. Um, And he told me, he said, get down. And I laid down and he stood on top of me, like over me. And he said, they're coming. I hope you're ready. Whoa. And then right as he said that, a wolf jumped out at him and they clashed. And then I woke up. Damn. So I've always had this strong connection to the mountain lion ever yeah, since hell then. yeah, man. It was, yeah, that, that felt like a spirit guide, spirit animal, something. Mountain something was going on so there. cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like the dichotomy of, I want to see one so bad, yeah, but, but I don't want to see one. I think Have you seen the video of the guy in Utah? The recent one, When yeah, he was running was away wild. from like the Five mama. minutes backing yeah. away with that thing is. <gasps> the thing he's I, like, just get the fuck away yeah, from me. What do you do there? I mean, he did the right thing, I guess. Yeah. you're supposed to face them forward because I've Don't always turn heard back. The, I've always heard if you see one you're mm-hmm. actually good yeah. because they are so stealthy yeah. that you'd be done before you'd even know what happened to mm-hmm. you if they really were hunting you and are going to yeah. kill you and weren't scared by you I think there was cubs uh, in that she video had, yeah two or three cubs and so that's, and that's something just you don't want to mess with yeah, we saw shit. we did see a coot like a little bobcat oh that's right uh, yeah. in California last yeah. time we were there which is really cool mm-hmm. I just I love seeing wildlife I uh, still haven't seen a moose out here that's what I really really oh, I saw one in Rocky Mountain my first time there which was majestic Um, one last mountain lion story when I first moved to Colorado as well I met a guy who went to I think it was CU it was either CU Boulder or CU Denver but his professor had a story that he was out hunting one time out in the mountain range and he felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand up and when he turned around there was a mountain lion in a tree that had been stalking him and like you said you know once you make eye contact with these guys you can't take eye contact off right so he walked two and a half miles backwards to his truck with his rifle pointed at this oh, thing. Oh, he said Got rifle. in his truck and shit his pants and drove home. <laughs> <laughs> I assume so, man. Yeah. Those things, they might seem on a video or TV like they're like a big cat, but they're monsters. They're, yeah, they're, they're muscly huge. monsters. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> All right, so we established our uh, spirit animals. This was supposed to be about dolphins, so we'll get back to that. Uh, 
Dolphins, a football team struggling my whole life, but finally on the rise. <laughs> no, right. the brain of the dolphin is what we're focusing on here. I'm going to lump orcas in here because did you know oh, killer okay. whales are dolphins? I have heard that. Mm-hmm. So they are so cool too, obviously. Yeah. So we'll discuss both of them. They have complex languages, actually, and they have names by the way of the frequency of their voice. Each That's is in cool. that always screwed me up. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. All the dolphin sounds sound the same to us, yeah. but they can distinguish every unique sound. So that makes me That's think, cool. how the fuck do we know if they're self-aware or not? How could oh, we possibly we know? We totally are. <laughs> um, the brain surface area of a bottlenose dolphin is more than 1,400 square centimeters larger than a human being. Wow. There's parts of the brain of the orca and dolphin that we, scientists have no idea what they do. Shit. Uh, strong connections between the sensory and motive areas of a dolphin's brain to the body indicate that it is very much sensitive to pain and stress. Wow. All right, we mentioned tool use before. While many believe that primates are the only species who use tool for activities, dolphins studied in the wild have been seen using sea sponges to protect their snouts from getting scratched as they what? scavenge for food on the ocean floor. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, dependent calves are also provided with sponges from their mothers as research in the wild has seen infant dolphins wearing tiny sponges around their snouts while swimming close to their mothers. So they don't even complain about having to wear masks. Wow. So, <laughs> it sounds like dolphins are more involved than us sometimes. It's cool. All right. Uh, bottlenose dolphins have the ability to create booms exceeding 230 decibels. Wow. Mainly as a hunting weapon to stun fish. That's fascinating. That's so cool. That's cool. I've also well, heard with that, maybe you're getting this, and we might have to fact check this too, but oh, I've yeah. heard do this their their sonar that they're able to tell when women are pregnant Mm, there's a lot of stuff like that yeah i bet i believe that we'll look it up what do you imagine dolphins might think about human beings put yourself in the place of the dolphins what would they like i guess they'd be seeing of human activities in the ocean what opinions would they have about us what's up with these motherfuckers dumping so much oil and plastic in our home it would probably be some (laughs) illuminating truth (laughs) that they would come to us because it'd be just truth from the animals point of view you know Mm-hmm. I also mentioned that they are horny fuckers. Uh, I've read far more on dolphin sex than I'm comfortable with. Uh, dolphins have surprisingly interesting sex lives, replete with various positions, elaborate wow. vaginas, and a rare type of penis that's almost always erect. Whoa. They have sex all year round, even when they can only conceive for certain periods of the year. So by looking at how the genitals align, we can now say certain body positions are more likely to lead to successful fertilization than others, which might be for purposes other than reproducing. Is it play like we like humans? Is it working at hierarchies? Is it establishing dominance? Is it learning? There could be so many functions of sex. We don't know exactly, which is all right. So there's I don't know if you've ever heard this. There is a famous story of the woman in the dolphin. Margaret uh, Howe Lovett. I don't know this. All right, well, here we go. Uh Uh-oh. She is a volunteer naturalist from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. In the 1960s, she took part in a NASA-funded research project in which she attempted to teach a dolphin named Peter. And, you know, I really wonder how they learned his name was Peter. But (laughs) this was done to understand and mimic human speech. That was the research. In week five, Peter started to exhibit signs of sexual attraction towards Howe. Lovett stated that it was not sexual on her part, but it allowed her to get to know Peter. Uh, In order to satisfy Peter's increasing sexual urges, he would be transported to another pool with two female dolphins. This was a logistical nightmare, and it disrupted his communication lessons constantly. Eventually, Lovett took it upon herself to relieve Peter of his urges. Oh, no! Rather than going through the long and inconvenient process of transporting him. Uh It would just become part of what was going on, like an itch, she said. Just getting rid of that scratch and we would be done and move on. That's all a fancy way of saying this woman beat off dolphins. Um, All right. So, (laughs) 
Amazing. Okay, last on this really interesting on dolphins in this situation. Other problems arose surrounding this project. In addition to Lovett's animal communication research, she met a a man named John C. Lilly, who had been funded to research the effects of the drug LSD. Hmm. He had been testing the effects of the drug on his subject dolphins with no results. Mm -hmm. Since neither his communication experiments nor his LSD research was proving fruitful, Lily's Dolphinarium eventually lost all funding. Mm -hmm. Due to lack of funding, they moved to an abandoned building in Miami. Uh Since the building lacked sunlight and space, Peter quickly deteriorated Mm -hmm. and eventually committed suicide by drowning. Dolphin activist Rick O'Barry explains dolphins are not automatic air breathers like we humans are. Every breath is a conscious effort. If life becomes too unbearable, the dolphins will just take a breath and sink to the bottom. They don't take the next breath, so dolphins can commit suicide. Wow. It it, it was hard for me to watch that um, documentary Blackfish. I don't know if you've ever seen that either. It's it's on SeaWorld. Again, it's good to be aware of it because it's really important. I don't think any of these animals should be captive animals. No. Zoos are a whole fucking thing. I go back and forth on the philosophy yeah. behind zoos. I don't think zoos should be able to function unless it's research to improve the quality of life for animals in the wild is the yeah. most important thing. And I've heard people who run zoos say that. It's about conservation. That should be the number one priority because you can learn a ton by having them in and studying them. Yeah. It's great to see them. But the individual animals are the ones who are getting hurt at zoos. So you just need a good program. And I don't think there's a lot of good programs. Yeah, I don't know how far you've gotten in Ishmael, but it, there's a really interesting the perspective show, yeah. there to hear from the perspective of a gorilla who's been in captive in a zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been kind of, you know, same, I don't know, I meant with you around zoos and like, eh, not too sure about yeah. it. But after reading that, I was like, man, fuck zoos. Yeah. <laughs> Again, unless they're right opening up the, it should be focused on increasing their quality of life in the wild. Yeah. If it takes two kangaroos to open up a bunch of uh, healthier kangaroos, I think yeah. I, I can get behind that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. With it, with the premise of like. They're going to be released at some point, but into a better environment than which they can. Exactly. Before. Yes. And properly fed and taken yeah. care of. I'm sure some animals, some lazy guys love this. Yeah. Right? You get fed all the time. You don't have to go hunting. Right. This, this is the life. But for animals like that have a crazy, uh, what's it called? Migration period yeah. spot, like yeah. a whale or mm-hmm. a dolphin. That's fucked up. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. All right. Enough about dolphins. That was probably the most we'll do on any of the animals because it is my favorite animal, yeah. as I said. And go dolphins. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fact number three, or like 3,000 by now. <laughs> number three, giant squids have a donut-shaped Whoa. brain what? that food actually passes through. <laughs> That's so cool. So I know squids aren't octopuses. They're both cephalopods. Mm-hmm. But I have to shout out uh, the documentary My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Oh, my God. The guy forges a relationship with an octopus, and they are such a special breed of smart. Please watch it if you haven't. I don't want to spoil any, but I was crying this morning. I watched it again just because I wanted to uh, refresh myself. I'm definitely never eating octopus or squid. That's a promise. (laughs) Cephalopods are are insane. So let's go. Let's go into them. Octopuses have blue blood, three hearts, and like squids, a donut shaped brain. But these aren't even the most unusual things about them. It's a well-known fact that octopuses have eight arms, obviously. But mm-hmm. did, you, did you know that each arm contains its own mini brain? What? <laughs> no, that's well, wild. Each arm is uh, capable of acting independently, Whoa. able to taste, touch, move without direction. And then there's the centralized brain also that's able to exert top-down control as okay. well. So it's not a big deal if one of the tentacles gets into the argument with another. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to their nine brains, it seems that the octopuses have the benefit of both localized and centralized control over their actions. Scientists use the size of an animal's brain relative to its body as a rough guide to its intelligence. Mm. It gives us an indication of how much an animal is investing in its brain. It's not a perfect measure, as other factors such as the degree of folding in the brain also play a role, but smarter animals tend to have a higher brain-to-body ratio. An octopus's brain-to-body ratio is the largest of any invertebrate. It's also larger than many vertebrates. They shouldn't exist, these no, octopuses. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen Arrival. The, the, I have, it's yeah. It's the aliens are cephalopods. Yep. And that would make a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> they have as many neurons as a dog. Wow. They have 500 million, about... Two thirds are located in its arm. The rest are in the in the donut shaped brain, which is wrapped around the esophagus and then located in the octopus's so, head. So food passes through their brain too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Isn't it? I guess it's probably all cephalopods. It's absolutely yeah. insane. I That's can't wild. stop. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Octopuses <laughs> have demonstrated intelligence in a number of ways. In experiments, they've solved mazes, like I said, and completed really tricky tasks. And again, this all comes up in the in the movie, uh, the documentary, where a man essentially falls in love with an octopus. That's kind of, we're going, that's a theme here with smart animals. Right. And it makes sense to me. Yeah. There are also intriguing anecdotes about octopus's abilities and mischievous behavior. I remember reading one about a lab where all the fish were going missing from their tanks, says John Ablett, the director of cephalopods at the Natural History Museum. The staff set up a little video camera and it turned out that one of the octopuses was getting out of its tank, <laughs> going to the other tank, opening it, eating the fish, closing the lid. <laughs> Going oh back down God. to its own tank and hiding the evidence. What? As well as solving tasks using tools to get uh, food rewards in the lab. So we talked wow. about tool use. In the wild, octopuses have uh, been shown to build little dens and use stones to create sort of a shield that it protects the entrance. They are very highly intelligent animals. That's wild. And that's just insane. Just imagine if you're a security guard working with detail <laughs> at the aquarium. Who's these fish, <laughs> yeah, who's these, But then you walk in and it's an octopus. It's a fucking I don't know how I'd react. If you like, see an octopus on the hey. floor crawling <laughs> yeah, over, it's yeah, like, so uh, true man because they're like they're like mostly liquid they're yeah, such a unique they are freaking almost done <laughs> small individuals of the common blanket octopus carry tentacles from the uh portuguese man of war oh, as shit. a weapon damn these wait they carry yeah, their tentacles as a weapon Holy these shit. tentacles carry a potent and painful venom yeah the common octopus is immune but it can inflict their effects on unwitting predators and prey <laughs> How awesome is that? I want to see Holy two octopuses uh, duke it duel, out. Just yeah. like a duel, like a fencing a match. I'm sure it's happened, yeah. right? Oh, it's got it. And, and they're, I don't know if they're smart enough to know that it doesn't affect the other squid or the yeah, other octopus. Right. But it, all right, last thing on octopus. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> let's talk about you and octopee. Right. Many male octopuses lack external genitalia. Huh. Wait, maybe this is my spirit animal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they use, a, they use a modified arm to pass the sperm to the female. Hey. The arm cock varies between species. <laughs> some like a syringe, some look more like a spoon, and one belonging to the North Atlantic octopus even looks like a little toast rack. <laughs> Each species has a slightly different method of fornicating. In Argonauts, which is a small cephalopod species, the male octopus goes one step further in his attempts to reproduce, leaving his sexual appendage behind. Wow. In the lady That's octopus. commitment. And he jets away. <laughs> I know, I, there's more here that I could go into, but I won't. Uh, once a male has has handed over his sperm it's game over most male done? yeah most wow. male octopuses die within a couple months of mating and wow. i don't blame them life with no cock is no life at all <laughs> ask my uncle fred about that one okay all right my octopus teacher enough about that please watch it and we'll move on <laughs> number four quick one leeches 
32 brains. 32 brains and a little leech? Yes. So I added them in here. They're not the top 10 smartest animals, but I just had to put this in because they have the most brains. 32 brains. They're so little, though. Is it just all brain? (laughs) Yeah, you would think. They're just even tinier brains. Have you ever like had a leech on you? I've never had one on me, but I've I've swam where I've seen them around Damn, and stuff. Yeah, that's as a kid, I remember being scared, and then I saw. And they do a lot of medicinal practices. I think yeah, with, uh, leeches yeah. Sucking cleansing the blood. blood out. And yeah, stuff. it's fascinating. They used to, to use it that. a lot way back in the day to like clean the blood when people were sick and stuff. Right. All right, number five. Let's talk birds with quail, baby. Hey. A pigeon. Oh, really? A lowly fucking pigeon. We forget <laughs> carrier pigeons are a real thing. That's true. They can remember faces, wow. fly routes that range 1,300 miles. Holy shit. And they can also remember hundreds of pictures at a time. Ready for this? <laughs> Holy cow. The common city pigeon, also known as the rock pigeon, might be the first bird humankind ever domesticated. Wow. You can see them in art dating back as far as 4,500 BC in modern Iraq. Wow. And they've been a valuable source of food for thousands of years. Pigeon breeding was a common hobby in Victorian England for everyone from well-off businessmen to average Joes, leading to some fantastically weird birds. Few <laughs> hobbyists had more enthusiasm for the breeding process than Charles Darwin, who oh. owned a diverse flock, joined London pigeon clubs, and <laughs> hobnobbed with famous breeders. Darwin's passion for the birds influenced his 1868 book, The Variation of Animals and Plants Under Domestication, which has not one but two chapters about pigeons while dogs and cats share a single chapter nikola tesla was another great mind who enjoyed pigeons he used to care for wild pigeons in new york city in his hotel room like injured ones hands down tesla's favorite was a white female about whom he once said i love that pigeon i loved her as a man loves a woman and she loved me when she was ill i knew and understood she came to my room and i stayed beside her for days i nursed her back to health that pigeon was the joy of my life if she needed me, nothing else mattered. As long as I had her, there was a purpose in my life. So this is a theme wow. we're seeing with intelligent animals yeah. and, 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 and big intelligent lines humans yeah. connecting on this special way. Did you ever um, see the um, the pigeon man episode of Hey Arnold? Such a good one. <laughs> Such a good one. When he straps all the pigeons what, to his, his little... Is his name Pigeon Man? Yeah, the Pigeon Man. I don't remember his real name, but they There's, call him the Pigeon okay, Man. Okay, yeah, you're right. But at the very end of the episode, all the pigeons come and they bite his loops and yeah. then they pull the cords and he flies <laughs> away with all the pigeons that's awesome <laughs> which but, is like doesn't seem far-fetched anymore yeah <laughs> no it really doesn't real. we forget you know i had this uh my my dad told me a story when i was a kid that one of his classmates went blind from being near a pigeon so i've been like i've, I've sworn wow. them off <laughs> i always forget yeah they, people used to send pigeons we'll, we'll get into that right now i also mentioned that they fly routes up to 1300 miles long the birds can do this even if they've been transported in isolation with no visual, olfactory, or magnetic clues. Holy cow. While scientists would rotate their cages and so they didn't know what direction they were traveling in. How they do this is a mystery, but people have been exploiting the pigeons' navigational skills since at least 3000 BC when wow. ancient people would, would set caged pigeons free and they would follow them to nearby land. Their navigational skills also make them great long-distance messengers. Sports fans in ancient Greece are said to use trained pigeons to carry the results of the Olympics. Um, Further east, Genghis Khan, known fuckboy, stayed in touch with his allies and enemies through a pigeon-based postal network. How cool is that? Let's bring it back. Yeah, I don't see why not. I think people still do it. I've seen pretty crazy videos of training. Uh, I saw one recently of training a pigeon to pickpocket out of a guy with (laughs) money. Again, we are so disconnected to this... To the brains all right 
Keep going, pigeons. <laughs> Lastly, uh, on pigeons, a 2015 study revealed they can also distinguish between malignant and benign growths in the what? right conditions. Researchers at University of California Davis Medical Center put 16 uh, pigeons in a room with magnified biopsies of potential breast cancers. If the pigeons correctly identified them as either benign or malignant, they got a treat. Once trained, the pigeon's average diagnostic accuracy reached an impressive 85%. Holy shit. But when a flock sourcing approach was taken, in which the most common answer among all the 16 subjects was used, the group accuracy climbed to a 99%. Wow. Or what would be expected from a pathologist. Right. So wow. that's probably because they can they train them to look at the picture yeah. and see what it is. So that's just a fact that they can uh, just memorize, memorize pictures, pictures, which is just that's to me, crazy. I don't know, bird brain. I think I not. know. I was like, I can't say bird brain anymore. No, can you? Yeah. Maybe for some, anyway, yeah. we're going to be sticking with birds. Let's go crows. Crows are cool, man. Crows are extremely intelligent yeah. birds. They have the largest brain of all birds, except for parrots. The body to brain ratio of the crow, like we talked about is important, is equivalent to a chimpanzee. Wow. This means that it probably isn't that far off from what humans are. Tool use. Crows have been observed using tools. For example, some crows in Japan use cars on the road to crack open nuts. <laughs> like throwing them down yeah. in some instances crows have been observed using sticks to access food out of reach wow. they have an excellent memory they have been uh, been known to hide food away and save it for later sometimes moving the food two or three times always remembering where exactly it was hidden okay so they can also be identified by their distinctive call call that you heard before yeah. considered songbirds due to their vast range of melodies crows have been known to vocalize their feelings in response wow. to either hunger or being threatened they have different feelings and in, in, in respond that wow. it was that was insane That's they cool. are described as being fearless they will chase eagles Whoa. which weigh nine times more than crow bonus fun fact the eagle not that smart <laughs> just have a good pr agent yeah, same with owls too overrated since wise potato chips came out. <laughs> seriously look it up I owls are it. not that intelligent I the owls at my dad's house are always are also pretty cool yeah they're flying they over they like are. deep at night and they still Big like wings. big pterodactyls they really the do it's wild <laughs> lastly on crows they mate when they mate they often stay together for life wow. separating only at death however some instances have found only the females mate for life while the males will cheat on occasion which we mm -hmm. see in biology everywhere yeah okay I, I actually i lied i have one more on crows american crows recognize faces and have been seen gathering around dead crows in so-called funerals and will attack humans that they associate with the dead crows oh, how crazy is wow. that wow well, don't I wasn't fuck gonna, with the crow code. i wasn't gonna share this story but i should now because oh, they might have my number when i was oh shit maybe freshman or sophomore in high school i got a bb gun for christmas uh -oh. and i used to bring it in the fall we had like a, a pool deck our pool was an above ground pool, so it was separate from our actual deck. We, it had its own deck that we would go up on, and I would post up there and shoot cans in the woods. Um, and then a crow flew down, and he was just caught. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to shoot this fucking yeah, crow. What happens. Let's see what happens. And I shot him right as he was calling, and I hit him in the neck. And it was ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Really? <laughs> and Damn. then, yeah, he flew away. He's gone. But knowing this, yeah. they might have my number. He told so, a friend who told a friend, friend who told you know, a friend, watch out for number. that mountain lion that yeah. looks like a dude. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy, actually. Yeah, but crows are really cool. I'd like to befriend a crow, I think. Maybe a raven or two. They're That'd all the cool. same family. All well, right. It's cool that they have funerals for each other when they travel yeah. in a flock. It's a murder of crows. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Uh, Maybe they murdered each other. Yeah, there you go. All right. We mentioned pigs. Number seven. Is that bacon ready yet? I can smell it. <laughs> uh, anyway, pigs don't sweat. Did you know that? So sweating wow. like a pig is uh, mm, bullshit. False. Like a lot of our <laughs> idioms. Uh, but to the brains, pigs have the intelligence of a human toddler. Wow. And ranked as the fifth most intelligent animal in the world. In wow. fact, pigs are more intelligent and trainable than any other breed of dog. 
They learn their names in just two weeks and come when they're called. I was stunned by all of this. I knew they were smart. I didn't know they were this smart. Dude, when I did door-to-door sales, I knocked on a woman's door and I, she opened it and her pig ran out by me. And she <laughs> called like him back. Too, isn't yeah, it? exactly. It was. She was like, oh, sorry, I got my son a pig for Christmas. She, and I don't remember what his name was. Sweet. Like, yeah. And she was like, come back. And he ran right back inside. I was like, what the so fuck? So wild. Yeah. They're actually capable of playing video games. What? Better than some primates. Uh, they've shown chimpanzees have tried to play video games too. I That's need to cool. look more into that. They're really good navigators. They can find their way home over large distances. They can often trot long distances and can reach up to 11 miles per hour. Wow. Pretty wild. Fast for a piggy. All right. Sorry for this next one, but we talked about it earlier, but I have to. With the world's insatiable appetite for meat, most farmed animals are bred and live on factory farms. Mm. Mother pigs, for instance, are forced to live in crates so small they can barely turn around or lie down comfortably. Piglets endure brutal mutilations Mm. such as tail docking and teeth clipping Mm. because the lack of space provided on factory farms leads to increased stress and tension and aggression and fightings amongst pigs as, as they age. Again, this makes me feel very bad. And I, I think the truth, we should know the truth. It's, it's hard to just keep it. Yeah. Maybe you should. Maybe you should compartmentalize it because there's really not a total way to do this. But yeah. the more awareness we have. All right. How about this question? If hypothetically you were told by someone you trusted that human was the most delicious meat ever created. Mm. What, what is that? <laughs> What's your initial? Would you try it? Ugh, I've always been of the mindset of I would try anything I'm once. I'm so curious. Yeah, me too. But it feels so weird right? <laughs> to but try What's to the eat? difference uh, than a fucking pig? I, I guess, guess you're right. I, mean, I, I know that the, my first instinct is absolutely just no. like them. My first yeah, instinct that waves too. over my me body too. is like, fuck that. Oh, Disgusting. No. But then when I start thinking about these pigs and how we treat them, yeah. and if someone I trusted came to me and was like, dude, just try this one time. <laughs> I don't know. Do you get arrested? Am I going to get arrested for signing this? Anyway, let's go. <laughs> All right. My biggest goal is to own some pigs, treat them with respect, and then cut them. <laughs> there and you go. Definitely some chickens. That really is a goal of mine. I, I, would, I would like that. a pig. There was a guy who had a pet pig who I, I never got to meet him unfortunately um the guy or the pig who both of them i know i worked with a a guy who was a cool guy at the the, uh, restaurant he had a pig always wanted to meet him all right sad but we got to move on to (laughs) number eight elephants oh hell yeah (laughs) elephants are cool they are exceptionally smart creatures they have the largest brain of any land mammal and three times as many neurons as humans wow while many of these neurons exist to control the elephant's large and dexterous body, these creatures have demonstrated their impressive mental capabilities time and time again. Here, a few interesting findings about the intelligence of elephants. Elephant intelligence. They can identify language. Researchers at the University of Sussex in Brighton, UK, have discovered that African elephants can distinguish differences in human gender, age, and ethnicity purely by the sound of someone's voice. <laughs> wow. If the voice belongs to a person who is more likely to pose a threat, the elephants will switch into a defense mode. To test this, researchers found two Kenyan men from different ethnic groups, the Maasai and the Kamba. Mm -hmm. The Maasai have a history of killing wild elephants, while Mm -hmm. the Kamba do not. The researchers recorded the two men saying, look, look over there, a group of elephants is coming, in their different languages, and played these recordings to elephant family groups at a national park in Kenya. When the elephants heard the Maasai, they showed signs of fear, huddling together and moving away from the voice. But when the same phrase spoken by the Kamba man invokes no reaction from the elephants, wow. they figured out the ability to distinguish between Maasai and Kamba men delivering the same phrase in their own language suggests that elephants can discriminate between different languages. Wow. That's why. What's more, the same recordings made by women and children of either tribe left the elephants unfazed, wow. suggesting that they can not only distinguish between ethnic groups, but between age and gender as well, knowing that men are most likely to pose a threat, especially the Maasai men, obviously, yeah. that's in their in their DNA and their blood, which is wild. 
Back to tool use. In 2010, a seven-year-old Asian elephant named Kandula impressed researchers by utilizing tools from his surroundings to reach fruit that had been strategically placed beyond its reach. After watching the fruit tantalizingly for a few days, Kandula had an aha moment. He found a large plastic block, rolled it over, stepped on it, propping himself up just far enough to reach the fruit with his trunk. Wow. Crazy. It, um, so so cool. it's, it didn't happen immediately, the aha moment, but it stuck with him. Oh, wow. He repeated the trick with other tools and even figured out how to stack blocks to reach even higher. <laughs> it so just funny. fascinates me to no end. Just just crazy stuff. And I have a, this is more, I'm one of their more well-known facts about how well they remember their dead. But one of my good friends, Jake Lapointe, recommended this book to me called The Elephant Whisperer. I still haven't had it read it yet. But he was talking about how this guy who is the elephant whisperer owned a home in the African bush and essentially it became an elephant sanctuary. The elephants just kind of gathered there and he took care of them and eventually that man died. But the elephants remembered just how great he was to them that when he was on his deathbed, they were like constantly around the house, just kind of, I guess, celebrating or holding space for him or something to that effect. And he eventually passed, but they remembered the day that he passed and Every time, every year that comes back, they go back to his home. And wow. Again. Just wow, like that's a, so cool. Yeah. It's like, so it's like. Because of, of how great he was to them. That's yeah. like their way of recognizing Absolutely. what he did Yeah, them. and that yeah. makes me think like they knew the position of the earth is in, right? Yeah. That's that's yeah. almost astrological to me in ways. That's really mm-hmm. fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, so they're the most empathetic of the animals, yeah. as we know. A recent study observed Asian elephants comfort, comforting one another when distressed. Wow. Uh, the elephants in the study use both physical contact and vocal sounds as a form of comfort, stroking one, one another with their trunks and emitting small chirps. The study concluded this behavior is best classified with similar constellation responses by apes, possibly based on convergent evolution of empathetic capacity. So being empathetic, uh, like you said, they actually they mourn their own dead, too. Yeah. It would be a stretch to say that elephants or any other animals understand death in the way we do. But elephants have a, have demonstrated fascinating reactions to death of their own kind. And like you said, yeah. uh, the, the other guy, and often displaying what appears human symptoms of grief and mourning. They caress the bones of the dead with their trunks and will stand near the body of the deceased for hours. Sometimes they even try to bury their remains. They don't behave this way toward the remains of other animals. Okay. I love this one. They have been filmed mimicking human voices. What? An Asian elephant named Koshik. I don't know why it's important that he's Asian. Uh, but Koshik baffled researchers in 2012 when they realized he could say five words in Korean. What? <laughs> if you Holy consider shit. the huge size of the elephant and the long vocal tract and other anatomic differences. For example, obviously elephants have trunks instead of lips and a huge larynx. And he is really matching the voice pitch of his trainers. This is remarkable. While, while it is almost certain Koshik doesn't comprehend the meaning of the right. words, the researchers believe he began mimicking sound as a way to bond with humans, wow. which were his only form of social contact during his formative years. Whoa. Wow. All right. Last one about elephants. You've heard the phrase, elephants never forget, right? Which we just mm-hmm. next brought up before. So you need this one, but let's point to some specific examples. Elephants remember roots to watering holes over incredibly long stretches of time and space. This is necessary, obviously, for elephants that live in the desert where water is scarce. Mm -hmm. Uh, Research has also shown that elephants often form close bonds with companions, like you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. and can recognize them even after long periods of separation. 
Dr. Sherman DeSilva, now director of Uda Wallaway Elephant Research Project in Sri Lanka, said in 2011, elephants are able to track one another over large distances by calling to each other and using their sense of smell. Our work shows that they are able to recognize their friends and renew these bonds even after being apart for a very long time. In 1999, two elephants named Shirley and Jenny, once companions in a circus, reunited at an elephant sanctuary in Tennessee after more than 20 years apart and knew Mm. who each other were. That's cool. I love animals, man. I love them more and more the more I learn. Yeah. All right. I know this has been a lot. Eight animals so far. We've got (laughs) two left. All right, here we go. Number nine. Have you ever heard of the Clark's Nutcracker? No. (laughs) I have not. The Clark's Nutcracker bird can remember the location of up to 30,000 nuts at a time. That's bonkers. That's, he's keeping quite a stock, man. I can't even remember where both my nuts are. Yeah. I sat on my balls a few weeks ago and I yelped like a small Asian woman. Oh, dude, and it it's don- the worst. It dawned on me, why does it not happen more? I don't know. I never like, I don't think about it. I it's not either. conscious or anything. It just happened. I was like, Once Whoa. in a while it's it hits like, you though. Yeah, it I was like, where? Like, I guess you probably subconsciously, you kind of fucking swing it around in ways that you just can't. I have yeah. very low hanging balls. And big, too big in reference to my shaft. So I, I think if anyone should be sitting on them anyway back to clark's nutcracker here uh it it can memorize an entire area of about 15 square miles wow it was first observed and he knows where every nut is 30,000 nuts i wonder how they can prove that try to get it for the fact check the bird was first observed in 1805 by william clark which you know lewis and clark expedition and it bears Mm -hmm. his name wow very cool okay so i know 99 of you're probably bored right now but i'm not so whatever i'll move (laughs) on to this last one all right last but not leastly Number 10, and I mainly picked this one because I've been doing the voices for all of these, and I know you do a really good one for this too. And we do it so often while playing Catan, uh, although that's a sheep. Yeah. Catan, number 10 is a goat. Oh. Wait till you hear this bleat drop. <laughs> Me! Holy fuck. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. A baby goat, you all might know, is called a kid. Mm-hmm. But did you know that a goat giving birth is said to be kidding? Really? That's a real fact. I like that. All right. Goats are very sociable animals and therefore become depressed if they are not if they are separated or isolated from their companions. However, they are not flock oriented uh, as much as sheep. Mm. They are very intelligent, curious animals. Their inquisitive nature is exemplified in their constant desire to explore and investigate anything unfamiliar which they come across. I'm sure you've seen some goat videos, some baby goat videos. Oh, yeah. It's, I can go Adorable. hours. I can go Adorable. hours. We had a goat at my old man's and my cousin and I used to wrestle with him. You just grab him by the horns and he would play with us and we'd wrestle. Except one time he pinned so me bad. in the corner and he almost crunched my oh, knees. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, yeah After that, we stopped wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he was the goat. He the was the goat. Program. That's right. They communicate with each other, like we said, bleeding. Mothers will often call to their young kids to ensure they stay close by. Mother and kid goats recognize each other's calls soon after the mother gives birth. Most people who own goats say that they know that they can open locks and escape from any pen. It happens all the time. (laughs) In fact, a goat's intelligence is one of the reasons the animal can survive pretty much anywhere, contributing to the resilience of the species. Uh, So that's a sign of intelligence as well. Who knew? Goats are really smart. All right. Smart kids. Okay. That was 10. Monster Jungle Boogie to start it off. Oh, but a great one. Such a good one. So fascinating to me. I feel like you were just as fascinating. I I love, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's been a great debate for a while. uh, Humans and their consciousness, but animals and instinctual more. But I... I don't know, man. I've always kind of thought we there's more to animals. It's than so we know. hard to prove. Who's to say that they don't have some level of consciousness? No, I way, absolutely agree. I mean, the way that dogs respond to love and uh, stuff. Like, yeah, I guess like have to. We have to talk about our beloved Darcy. Oh yeah. So oh my god, you could Max, you could probably hit Jamie. <laughs> 
<laughs> and because Darcy loves you so much, I think we would both forgive you. Darcy, <laughs> we got Darcy right as my mom got sick, right? Was, mm-hmm. Right when she was really, really fucking sick. And so yeah. that thing, the bond I have with this animal yeah. is so special and mm-hmm. so hard to articulate because there's this truth. There's yeah. this truth that you see you. Mm-hmm. You can't lie to a dog. You know, mm-hmm. like you, yeah. I can say the words, but they, they can sense who you are. They can, because yeah. it's how you treat them. And mm-hmm. Darcy's got a, a lot going on. She has a heavy yeah. personality. And she probably doesn't treat some people uh, the, the right way. But she's so amazing. And I just want to go back yeah. to how important animals are and, and, and just how much love yeah. that comes out of that thing. I know we, I left dogs off of here, but this is a little dog tribute from Darcy. I know yeah. you love Darcy just as much as you love oh, yeah. Very special. Oh my God. And Jamie, she's shout out to Jamie a, and Darcy. Quite well. a personality. That yeah, she's rat. a little Yorkie Bichai. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? And the things that animals can do, the yeah. bond between the human and animals mm-hmm. we've showcased very mightily in this segment yeah. is very special. It so is. if you're out there, adopt, don't shop. No. All right, we'll be back. Peace. <laughs> Looking for a new book that will make you laugh? The Book of Joe follows the journey of a coffee cup who experiences a series of hapless relationships with other beverages. Following these tragic yet albeit hilarious breakups, Joe spirals into a self-destructive state as he struggles to move on. Until he befriends a monkey named Oscar, that is. A coffee cup with a big heart. A world with harsh realities. A monkey with the key to life. The Book of Joe is a story of overcoming heartache and adversity told through raucous humor, endearing characters, in bold black and white illustration from creative mind Daniel Mestia. Get your copy on Amazon today and follow his Instagram page at Dan underscore Mestia. That's at Dan underscore M-I-S-D-E-A. What follows for Joe and Oscar reminds us to appreciate the little things. Most notably, friendship. Get your copy today. This is a real advertisement. I repeat, this is a real advertisement. Cue balls. Is back. Tuck your tip button up, zip your fly, shut your mouth, let your ears and open up your eyes. It's time to analyze one of the brilliant guys and hypothesize all society's lies. You gon' learn about your boy Aristotle. If he were alive today, he would trump Donald, get in line, spark a J, pop a bottle. We go in Charlie's Angels, full throttle. These men are the pillars of philosophy. Thomas Hobbes, Epicurus, and Socrates. Founding fathers of modern democracy. But they laugh today at the hypocrisy. Frederick Nietzsche says, God is dead, got some heavy lead, bust to his head. We'll give you a reason to get out of bed. We'll tell you what the fuck Confucius said All this knowledge straight for the taking Ella Watts, Karl Marx, man, God forsaken Rene Descartes, Benjamin Franklin We out here cooking with Francis Bacon Inherit the world, man, bless the meek Bless them titties and them butt cheeks Just the quail at his peak, squeaking out of his beak Blessing you with the philosopher of the week <laughs> We back ah. Shout out Mezion Never left, you thought Thanks again, Senor Nasty. This week's Philosopher of the Week is a modeling compound used by young children for arts, crafts, and projects at home. He is composed of flour, water, and salt, boric acid, and mineral water. This guy was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and his original purpose was a wallpaper cleaner before he was reworked and marketed to Cincinnati schools. He was demonstrated at an educational convention and promoted on influential children television shows to really blow him up. He also does that really cool thing where he copies newspaper and blows the minds of children everywhere. Putty? This week's Philosopher of the Week is... Plato! Oh, shit!
I'd like to sincerely apologize for that giant time-wasting dad joke. I promise that is the only time I will make that joke for the rest of the show. Now on to the real shit. Plato was born in either 428 or 427 BCE. That's pretty funny that we don't that we don't know exactly what day that he uh, yeah. what year he was born. Uh, but he, it looked like he died in either 348 or 347. So 80 years, wow. which is astonishing. That's Him and Socrates, age. 70s and 80s, when the life expectancy was, was about the age of a large toddler these days. <laughs> uh, it makes you think maybe critical thought can lead to some no, longevity. longevity. You know yeah. what I'm saying? How long would you like to live, Max, if you could choose today? Anywhere between, let's say, 30 and 150. Oh, you get the, they, somebody, the God comes to you and says... Sir, you may choose your the your age of your dying death. Uh, Tough one. I'm going uh, 98. 98. Okay, 98. so, so you do want to get to 100. 100. Come to chai. I think you know at that point I'm close enough. Round me up. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that shit. Um, I wonder what it would be like. So what'll that be? 68 years in medicine. Maybe it'll be easier because 98 today. Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't think for me at least. I that's I too old, too old, too but old. Maybe because there's just not. It's, it all depends on the function, right? It's like, yeah. Can I wipe my own ass? Can I go to the store? Can do I have to have someone do something for me? I think that would crush me. Yeah. And I think in 68 years, I think it'll be good. Yeah. I think will be able to do whatever. Yeah. Be oh, fucking yeah. like a porn star. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I think I would choose a hundred to dad. Yeah. I think it just seems like Clean I like a, the, the OCD in me would love to just keep it flat. Yeah. But 98 is a good one. Anyway, Plato. He uh, lived primarily in Athens, Greece, as we know. Plato's birth occurred near the end of the golden age of Athens. Mm. And he grew up during the Peloponnesian War. Plato is, by any reckoning, one of the most dazzling writers in the Western literary tradition. And one of the most penetrating trading, wide-ranging, and influential authors in the history of philosophy. Yeah. An Athenian citizen of high status, he displays in his works his absorption in the political events and intellectual movements of his time. But the questions he raises are so profound and the strategies he uses for tackling them so richly suggestive and provocative that educated readers of nearly every period have in some way been influenced by him. In practically every age, there have been philosophers who count themselves Platonists in some important respects. Mm-hmm. He was not the first thinker or writer to whom the word philosopher should be applied, but he was so self-conscious about how philosophy should be conceived mm. and what its scope and ambitions properly are, and he so transformed the intellectual currents with which he grappled that the subject of philosophy, as it is often conceived, a rigorous and systematic examination of ethical, political, metaphysical, and epistemological, almost, issues, <laughs> armed with a distinctive method, can be called Plato's invention. Wow. Few other authors in the history of Western philosophy approximate him in depth and range. Perhaps only Aristotle, who studied him directly, Aquinas, and Kant would be generally agreed to be of the same rank. And we will get to all of those bad boys. Many people associate Plato with a few central doctrines that are advocated in his writings. The world that appears to our senses is in some way defective and filled with error. Mm -hmm. But there is a more real and perfect realm populated by entities called forms that are eternal, changeless, and in some sense representative for the structure and character of the world presented to our senses. Among the most important of these abstract objects, as they are now called because they are not located in space or time, they are goodness, beauty, equality, bigness, likeness, unity, being, sameness, difference, change, and changelessness. 
The most fundamental distinction in Plato's philosophy is between the many observable objects that appear beautiful, like good, just, unified, equal, big, and the one object that is what beauty is, from which those many beautiful things receive their names and their corresponding characteristics. Nearly every major work of Plato is, in some way, devoted to our dependent on all these distinctions. Many of them explore the ethical and practical consequences of conceiving of reality in this spiritual way. Mm. We are urged to transform our values by taking to heart the greater reality of the forms and the defectiveness of our corporeal world. Mm. I love the world cor corporeal. It means relating to a person's body. Body, mm. as a, especially as opposed to their spirit mm. so wow all right so we must recognize that the soul is a different sort of object than the bodies plato says yeah. so much so that it does not depend on the existence of the body for its functioning mm. and can in fact grasp the nature of the forms far more easily when it is not encumbered by its attachment to anything corporeal wow so and, he's got and i know this too just based off hearing this i'm sure anybody can put that together but He's so largely associated with the development of Western religion because Absolutely. of these thoughts. 1,000%. He's yeah. the father of Western thought. He's yeah. in us, ingrained in yeah. us in one way or another because his work was so expansive. Mm -hmm. Great pickup. In a few of Plato's works, we are told that the soul always retains the ability to recollect what it once grasps of the forms. When it was disembodied prior to its possessor's birth and that the lives we lead are to some extent a punishment or reward for choices we made in a previous existence. Mm. That's karma, right? That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of what that makes me think of. Me but in many of Plato's writings, it is asserted or assumed that true philosophers, those who recognize how important it is to distinguish the one from the many, are in a position to become ethically superior to unenlightened human beings because of the greater degree of insight that they can acquire. To understand which things are good and why they are good, we must investigate the form of good itself. Mm. All right, this is way mm. too smart for me. I'm trying. I did a lot of research wow. yesterday. I was in the mood. <laughs> um, fuck. Okay, so Plato, I didn't, when we did the show last time, I really didn't hone in on how much he focused in on the spirit yeah. and, and versus the body and how different it is. And mm -hmm. then past existence is always fucking yeah, fast. It makes me, it makes me so interested. It makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. It makes a lot and of sense. With karma too, with the mm -hmm. past energies where all the fucking energy combined. Yeah. Oh God. And so again, just to have this wherewithal, wherewithal <laughs> yeah. without like I'm learning this from Plato and I can also get other sources of other things all over mm -hmm. the place. That almost makes me think that he's some kind of, alien or robot or something that he also sent I, or had the knowledge of a thousand lifetimes before yeah. him I, you know I, I feel like that's definitely part of it my other inclination when i think back to this era before the clintons think about the level of distractions that they had back then compared to what we have yes yeah, so you brought this up i, I feel like, like this he last. was so much more in tune to the world around him because that's what you were really immersed in mm -hmm. i mean you had drink you had sex you had all of those other distractions but when it came to technological distractions they weren't really there. I feel like philosophy, in a sense, probably back then people saw as a distraction, but really they were like, they were digging deep and doing yeah. heavy lifting here. Yeah, and just, just thinking. And yeah. Just really, that is in, in talking to other smart minds yeah. and I hanging did, out. Dude, and, I, do, I did it last night. I walked out into my yard in the freezing cold and looked up at the stars. And when I do that, it's just a big perspective shift for Absolutely. me, right? And I feel like these guys are, that's their every day. When they're when, in those quiet moments, they're just completely surrounded yeah. by the world around them. And so they, true. They absorb it and take it in and try and make their own of it. And I've always admired that. And 
Um, I actually just told Jamie when I'm 32, I'm going to Japan for a month on my own so I can just sit on a mountaintop and oh, do that. Oh, hell yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, I cannot wait to start traveling again. Yeah, me too, man. Again, even watching the my octopus teacher, he goes and he hangs out with the octopus like all day. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's the awesome life, life. And the, It was a beautiful setting. I forget where it was. It was a forest on the seafloor. It's wow. really amazing. And you're right, man. I think camping, that's why we camp, right? Because yeah. you get back to that. And I yeah. you always feel so good after yeah. a camping trip. Like it's like a almost a reset yeah and it's just so important it is. and it's like a lot i've heard people i guess the anti-climb is like well we've evolved this way and why you don't need it anymore but yeah. you know see what we're doing to the planet and all these things maybe the maybe again, we do need it maybe, to I mean, our nature because exactly. we are the fucking nature yeah and that's it i don't this is we're going to another philosopher here but that's what he says when you reconnect with nature you reconnect with yourself yeah this is what we're a part of what we came from and i we're you're right we're really losing sight of that because for better or worse, we're in our own zoo in these cages, right? Really? And when Seriously. you're in that individual isolated space, you're going to resort to addiction. You're going to resort to things that tune out the discomfort in ourselves because even, we are disconnected from so much. Yeah, even moving to Colorado from New Jersey, it's a lot easier to access nature. And I find myself generally, you know, this is a lot of different factors of the sunshine mm-hmm. and all that. And it's right. getting older, more mature. I just find myself generally happier day to day. Yeah. And I've known that they have done studies where just spending time in nature per week is a reliever of depression. Yeah. Absolutely. So you listen to this, you've been inside too long. I know it's hard pandemic and stuff. You're mm-hmm. living in New Jersey. It's so yeah. there's a bunch of beautiful places, in New Jersey, and you and just get out and get in the sun and just, you know, I mean, maybe you'll have some better thoughts. They're di- in uh, Japan. They're diagnosing or they're prescribing uh, forced bathing as a way to relieve I've, stress I've and it's, get back to and there's there's been so much research about how cancer cells can actually reduce by spending time outside as it reduces stress yeah and i believe it there's been i actually did a little presentation on it when i was in americorps of just the importance of getting into nature and how important it is for our bodies not just on like a soul and an emotional level but on a physical level yeah, as well i believe that yeah man i now i just want to go hiking right now <laughs> all right plato was a founder of the academy of athens which was the very first institution of higher learning in the Western world as well. So if you're in crippling debt because the USA has charged you (laughs) an octopus cock arm and a leg, uh, you can thank Plato for the system. Just kidding. I'm sure he would hate what education has turned to in recent times. Seemed like like he started his institution for obviously all the right reasons. Now it's what? It's a hundred grand to get drunk basically (laughs) these days in college. What a shit show. It's just all these things that are so disconnected. And and what's the answer there? Because it's just been, again, everything comes back to monetizing it. It's been monetized. If, If it was about educating, why... Why are we so? I know. Like, what is it about man that makes us most of it's just I don't know. different souls and paying for past life karma or yeah. something? I don't know. It's impossible to figure out. But again, we're going to try to help you think about it because that's the way you start mm-hmm. to change anything. Yeah. Like nearly all of his philosophical contemporaries, Plato's entire work is believed to have survived intact for over 2,400 years. Amazing. I would do my homework in high school and that shit would be gone by the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty unreal. Along with his teacher Socrates, who is last week's philosopher of the week and Plato's student Aristotle, the three, as we said last week, comprise the philosophy triad of Western thought, which is you and me. <laughs> in addition to all of this, Plato is also known as the founder of mathematics and the founder of Western spirituality, like you uh, said before. He was the innovator of written dialogue and political philosophy, which again, we desperately need today. <laughs> yeah. By far, a jack of all trades and yeah. a master of cum, this man. <laughs> I mean none. I'm sorry, Plato, if you're listening. But probably all really. Man, so, all right, let's just uh, hypothetically past lives, uh, reincarnation. Mm-hmm. What if his exact soul is a human being today? 
Man, who would it be? Who would it be? That's like, is, do we even know? Is he a big figure that's out there right now? Or is he one of the homeless men on the street? Right yeah, now? maybe somewhere he's realized that he can't do much right now. Or is he a uh, pig? Totally <laughs> yeah, possible. You know, totally totally possible. possible. Or a tree. A wise, I would like, I, like to I like meet to him. think he's a wise old tree, tree somewhere. Yeah, that, that, that aligns with, with me as well. I believe that. All right. We know so much about Plato's philosophies, but we actually don't know much about his personal life like we do mm-hmm. old Socrates. We do know some. We know that he came from one of the wealthiest and most politically active families in Athens. Ancient sources describe him as a youth, as a bright, though modest boy who excelled in studies, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we know his father contributed all which was necessary to give his son a good education in grammar, music, philosophy, and gymnastics. That's right. Um, by some of the most distinguished teachers of his era. So even 400 BC, unfortunately, it was good to be wealthy and privileged, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. At times, like I said, I wonder if these brilliantly eccentric, influential men are aliens sent to advance humanity <laughs> or something. Can't disprove Not me. far off. Can't Not disprove far me. Off. Okay. So his birth name wasn't Plato. Oh. How do you get the name Plato, you ask? How did he get the name Plato? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> well, his name was apparently Aristocles at birth, named after oh. his grandfather, which was a very common name in Athens at the time. Aristocrats, you might know that word, or mm-hmm. Aristocats, you might know that movie. Great movie. I believe it was Plato everybody. who first claimed everybody wants to be a cat. Uh, no, it's a Disney movie. Check it out. Is that, I think it's Disney. It's Disney. It's Disney. Yep, it is. All right. So this is sourced from Diogenes, who was a, a biographer of philosophers. Really cool job. Mm-hmm. According to Diogenes, Plato's wrestling coach, Ariston of Argos, dubbed him Platon, meaning broad. Due, uh, due to his robust figure and sexuality spectrum. I'm oh. just kidding about this. <laughs> his, robust, his robust figure. Um, so Plato was the nickname that came from that. And y'all know that I swing with chicks or chick passing, I guess. I will take a chick with a dick, but I have to be surprised by it. Like, I can't tell if it's... Di- anyway, okay. That's for another show. Um, I, I do, I, I like uh, women, but a robust wrestler with thoughts like these... Pay for Plato? You know? (laughs) A little something like that. All right. You've heard of platonic relationships, I assume. Of course. Did you know that that was connected to Plato? I actually didn't know that. I did not know that. Was was he the master of platonic relationship? it's a different concept from his than what we use it as today. So platonic love is a type of love that is not sexual. It is named after Plato, though the philosopher never actually used the term himself. Mm. Platonic love, as devised by Plato, concerns rising through levels of closeness to wisdom and true beauty from carnal attraction to individual bodies, to attraction to souls, and eventually wow. union with the truth. I loved wow. this. Yeah, isn't this cool? That's I awesome. platonically loved this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, platonic love is examined in Plato's dialogue, The Symposium, which has its topic, the subject of love, or more generally, the subject of eros, which I believe is sexual love. It explains the possibilities of how the feeling of love began and how it evolved, both sexually and non-sexually, and defines genuine platonic love as inspiring a person's mind and soul and directing them attention towards spiritual matters. Of particular importance is the speech of Socrates, who attributes to the prophetess Diotima Mm. an idea of platonic love as a means of assent to contemplation of the divine. Wow, so big, as opposed to this platonic love, which is like, what I think of when like getting friend zoned or something. It's so much deeper than that. <laughs> right. Um, Ascend is known as the ladder of love, that he call, uh, Socrates called it. For Diotima and Plato generally, the most correct use of love of human beings is to direct one's mind of love to the divinity. Hmm. Platonic love. It just doesn't have to be sexual. It's this uh, higher yeah. attraction to yeah. the divine. It's really fucking That's awesome. cool. Anyway, we discussed. Have you ever felt that with someone? Just that that platonic love, I guess, like where of it was like a yeah, yeah, to men. 
Yeah. I feel that way. I don't, I've been in love with like ideas that people have, you know, so that's kind of what's bringing up for me. Maybe like a, um, reaches me closer to the divinity or to the soul. So maybe something like that to someone's ideas, but definitely with man and animals, I have this platonic love. Obviously I don't want to have sex with every single being, just (laughs) chicks with dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Plato makes it clear in his most famous writing, Apology of Socrates that he himself was a devoted young follower. In that dialogue, Socrates is presented as mentioning Plato by name as one of the youths corrupted in which Socrates was obviously found guilty of at trial before he was put to death. So technically, Socrates died in a way for Plato's knowledge. Um, Plato is mentioned as one of the guys who bribed the guards, which could have led to Socrates' escape. They think it would have been successful, which we know Socrates had fucked that. He died with with honor. Okay. Are you not entertained? In many dialogues, Plato advocates a belief in the immortality of the soul, and several dialogues end with long speeches of the afterlife that he just pontificates on. I'm sure you've pondered this uh, afterlife as much as me. What what do you think, Max? What's the general capped, uh, boxed view that we can give as human beings? What what do you think? Heaven and hell? Spiritual Um, world? No, I don't. I I know it's impossible for us to comprehend. Yeah, for for me and my views on it, I don't believe in a heaven or a hell. Um, You know, I I love uh, the the age old saying there and the fact, most often attributed with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, that uh, energy is neither created nor destroyed, it's only changed. And I think. Yeah, our soul. This is our, our physical vessel for our soul. As Plato loves and, to say. Yeah, and we'll, after this physical body dies off, our soul will go back into the infinite universe and just be part of where it originally came from. With that whole mindset of we are the universe experiencing itself. This is this is that layer of the universe being like, all right, let's see what other realms of existence I can dive into. Yeah, and, and it just goes where it needs to go. It goes exactly. And then I think when we die, our energy will go wherever it's where it's wherever it's supposed to go next. Yeah. Um, yeah. Personally, that manifests I want to be really intentional of... about where my energy goes when I die. So there's some people who do like cremation and some people who get buried. Um, but some people who get buried in a box. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be buried yeah. like my body. Just drop me in the dirt. Yeah. Let the worms eat me up and let me go back to the earth. Because that's that's kind of my belief here is that we belong to the earth and I'm mm-hmm. going to go back to where, like where we belong from. Yeah. Especially the body that is decomposing. Yeah. It was obviously and like giving here. back, like that's that whole circle of life mm. they talk about in Lion yeah. King, right? Where, Definitely. you know, while we're the, the elk is uh, food for the lion, that's also food for these plants. Yeah. And so what that Why? decaying body, that nutrient is going to go to the grass and, ultimately like that's you know the elk are eating those nutrients so it's just going back and forth that energy is changing from that physical vessel and you're feeding the earth plant so that you can continue this fire of life and that's that's where i'm at i love that i want to keep the fire of life moving to the best of my ability i wonder why we are in boxes i'll look it up for the fact check there has to be some kind of decision at some point stems from the plague maybe Ooh, that actually rings a bell when yeah because of like not wanting that diseased body to to go into the the but that shouldn't even be our choice right that's the earth's choice in a way yeah oh god and who's to say i mean who's to say that the disease would transfer into the soil but i'm i wonder if back then they thought i'm sure there's a calculated reason and and, and now it's so signified in religion that's my my other thought with it too is like when you die you then have to fork after you're dead you have to fork over exorbitant amount of money to be in a coffin yeah (laughs) no just put me back in the dirt no yeah i think i haven't decided yet uh hopefully i got some time yeah (laughs) i think cremation does that makes some sense to me yeah that's a i don't know i have to look at all the factors but that's a cool because you're 
still, you know, you're, yeah. you're still not. Well, and I feel like if you go cre- the cremation route, you're like going right out into the cosmos. Right. So you're going to enjoy your ride that way. Yeah, maybe I'll look into that. How yeah. do I sign up? <laughs> Is it like a cremation center? Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Really good. Really good stuff. Okay. Another interesting recurring theme in Plato's and Socrates' ideas of art. Socrates says poetry is inspired by muses and is therefore not rational. They speak together approvingly of this and other forms of divine madness, such as drunkenness, eroticism, and dreaming. Three things I've knocked out in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Just getting sober for the first time since I was an infant. <laughs> All right. So that's that's an interesting. I like how they kind of, I know Socrates was a drinker. I don't know if Plato was as much, but the yeah. divine madness always conjures yeah. something up in me. There's some things yeah. that... I just think that, I don't know, there's a reason for things. And obviously, yeah. moderation for everything. Absolutely. So, you know. All right. It's all just crazy. All these subjects Socrates and Plato covered. And that's philosophy, I guess. It quite literally yeah. covers everything. And Plato's work, they discuss politics, art, religion, science, justice, medicine, virtue, vice, crime, punishment, pleasure, pain, sexuality, love, and wisdom. <laughs> it's just everything, pretty much. So... The gamut, the full gamut. It's a ton of shit that we are not going to be able to get to about these guys. I think we're going to take Plato and go to the next episode and keep yeah, him on. There's a lot keep the episode here. a little shorter. I know these are uh, a long life is busy. You got a lot to do, but this is important stuff. We'd love to entertain yeah. you. I hope you got some cool uh, facts from animals today. So that was really cool. So I guess if you're still curious about more, you, it's all free available online. So stop watching friends or porn <laughs> or the bachelor. And how about at least one night a week? All of you out there either go to mars.nasa.gov and check out Mars or go to the Stanford encyclopedia of philosophy and improve your perspective on life one night a week or listen to us for the one night of week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you filthy animals. Why not? So I just think it's a, it's, it's what I'm doing. I'm kind of getting married into these different researching uh, philosophy. It's just been so cool. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to mull on and it's just exciting questions. And each philosopher, I think, brings us to a, another layer of questioning. Right. And it's it's a lot of the same questions put in different ways, too. And lower and lower. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's, it's so much fun. And all right. Lastly, sources suggest that Plato died in his bed while a young Thracian woman played the flute as he expired away. We Holy can all shit. agree that. What a way to go. go. <laughs> I've thought about my death a lot, Max, as you know. Yes. And I want to attend my own funeral. I've said uh, this. I guess at this point, like I said, I'll go for a hundred. Hundredth birthday. Hopefully science and medicine is advanced enough so where I'm still, you know, chilling. I'm hundred. I can still, you know, have some good sex, dress myself. <laughs> I want to party with all my main friends. Again, some awesome women, maybe some heroin LSD, <laughs> uh, maybe a little dollar hands. There's a couple of uh, last earth vices. Tell everyone how much I love them. I want them all to tell me stories about things that we went through all the time. A roast, a toast, you know, everything. <laughs> and then I go up in a plane, skydive, into my own casket. No parachute. With reminiscences by Avenged Sevenfold playing in the background. For those of you unfamiliar, it's the song I steal and use at the end of most philosophized episodes. <laughs> Let's say, Max, if you went out in a way, you had a funeral song. Mm. Have you ever thought oh, about that? 100%. My funeral song is Moonlight Mile by the Rolling Stones. Okay, I'll play a tiny clip of it. I think the Rolling Stones are very litigious, so hopefully they're not listening to this. We're not making any money off of this yet, so eventually we might have to edit it out, but I love playing the music for you. So awesome. I'm going to look that song up. Max, Plato, episode one. That was a lot. We went through there. Episode two is going to go deeper, though. Get ready. So, yeah, we got to hone in on some exact things. Any last words on this one before we hit the fact check and we say goodbye, Max? I platonically love you, Kyle. I platonically love you as well. Goodbye. You are listening to the fact check from Philosophize, volume two, 
Hope you are all wonderful out there, and I hope that your bread is buttered just the way you like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you guys feel the energy of that full moon on Saturday? Holy shit. I was, I don't know about you guys, but I was amped. I was amped all day. I actually just bought a bunch of shit. I never do that. I never buy stuff. I got a, I got an air fryer, so I'm frying air now, I guess. Uh, I got a new phone and that was a pain in the ass. I haven't got a new phone in forever. It's just not me. And I, I also got a lamp that changes colors, which is pretty cool. A new pillow and a blanket and a sleep mask to try to improve the quality of my sleep, actually. I, uh, sleep is it's important, guys. Google it. Okay. Anyway, fact check. So fact check number one. Let's get into it. Can all chimps learn sign language? Yes. Yes, they can all in theory, but I bet there's a, probably a few mutes out there. Uh, it's generally accepted from the linguistic community that apes can learn sign and are able to communicate with humans. All right. Wow. Uh, cool. Number two. Max said dolphins can detect pregnancy in humans, and I found... Using echolocation, dolphins might be able to detect a pregnant woman's developing fetus, some experts say. Dolphins emit sounds in their environment and they listen to the echoes that return, a process that helps them identify the shapes and locations of objects. Doctors use a similar technique to image a developing human baby. Both involve ultrasound, high-pitched pulses of sound above the range of human hearing. I think it's extremely plausible that dolphins would be able to detect a fetus, said Lori Marino. Uh, I wonder if she's the one who made Dan as well. Uh, sorry. Uh, Lori's a neuroscientist at Emory University in Atlanta who studies uh, intelligence in dolphins. However, she goes on to say you'd have to, to really do a well-controlled study to make a definitive statement as uh, sounds like a scientist. All right, number three. Max mentioned a book called Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. But now Ishmael is a 1992 philosophical novel by Daniel Quinn. The novel examines the hidden cultural biases driving modern civilization and explores themes of ethics, sustainability, and global catastrophe. Largely framed as a Socratic conversation, good for the show. Between two characters, Ishmael aims to expose that several widely accepted assumptions of modern society, such as human supremacies, which is kind of what we've been talking about in this episode, are actually cultural myths that produce catastrophic consequences for humankind and the environment. So check it out. It's a good read and trying to save the planet. Number four. I called the area and animal, tra animal travels there uh, a migration spot. That's not a real term. I just made that up. Uh, home range, I think, is what I, the, probably the term I was looking for in case you're telling your grandma about our show and you want to get it right. Number five, I said pigs can play video games. That's true. A new study discovered another intellectual skill the animal can master playing video games. What it's testing is whether an animal can make a connection between the joystick and what it's actually doing, poised in space and time on a computer screen. And you can actually YouTube this and watch a video of a pig playing uh, video games if you're so inclined. Number six, cannibalism. Is the consumption of a hu another human's body matter, whether consensual or not? In the United States, there are no laws against cannibalism, per se. But most, if not all, states have enacted laws that indirectly make it impossible to legally obtain and consume body matter, which is good. But now that I can't have it, I, I kind of want to try it. <laughs> Bonus fact, the quote, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti uh, from the Science of the Lambs, of course. Dr. Lecter was actually making a medical joke. I don't know if you knew that out there. Monoamine oxidase inhibitors, MAOIs, could have been used to treat him in the psychiatric hospital. And what are the three things that you're not allowed to eat when you're taking those meds? Liver, beans, and wine. So I think he's essentially hinting that he's not taking his meds. That's for all you film buffs out there. It's a great flick, great flick, Science of the Lambs. 
Speaking of flicks, my octopus teacher, number seven, uh, I wondered where it was filmed. It was actually False Bay near Cape Town, South Africa. And again, absolute must watch. Must watch that movie. Both of those movies I just mentioned. All right. Lastly, we pondered why and when we started burying people in boxes. Coffins and caskets serve to insulate a deceased body from the elements underground. They can be traced back to ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia and may have been related to spirituality or disease prevention, as Max pontificated. Am I using that pontificated there, right? Is that just, I don't know. I'm going to fact check the fact check. In the United States, caskets became popular for an entirely different reason. During the Civil War, furniture makers began doubling as undertakers due to high demand. Sad. They started building wooden caskets to transport dead soldiers and just layered them into the ground. So I don't know, probably not super necessary. I don't, I guess you can, there's a lot of different ways to go now. Okay. Just the facts, ma'am. All right. Good way to end on a funeral, I guess. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. (laughs) 